0: Mediatrics Radio presents Pathways to Rome, a weekly hour-long journey that brings Rome home for you. Father Jeffrey Kirby, along with Gus Killo and Kathy Kerfoot, take us on an audio tour of the Vatican where every work of art, building, and liturgical event is a unique expression of Christianity. The center of the Catholic faith teaches while it inspires, but there's a lot to learn. So let's join our tour guides for this week's apologetic adventure.
1: Welcome to today's show on Pathways to Rome, the show that brings Rome home to you. I'm joined in the studio today with Gus Killo, and via technology all the way from Rome, we have Father Jeff Kirby. So, welcome to both of you.
2: Thank you, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy.
1: Father, you've been away for a little over two months, so tell us how things are going before we begin the show and and how you're settling in.
3: i tell you, Rome is uh, definitely a very active city. Its academic year actually doesn't start until late September, early October, so really uh, the city is just awakening now. Conferences and lectures and visits of important people and and all kinds of things are just happening here in Rome, and and so the city is really just awakening from uh, its summer slumber and And also October, November, uh, you just see these type of events all throughout uh, Rome. And, of course, those are wonderful, except October and November is also rain season here in Rome. As I learned uh, the hard way the other day, it's time to start carrying an umbrella. But the rain does not dampen, just the excitement and the activity, the good activity happening here in the city. Definitely having a good time.
1: Well, and I know there's a lot more foot traffic, you were like you were talking about, because right now is the African Synod that's been going on in Rome. And I know there's bishops from all over, all over the world in Rome for this synod. Tell us what you've observed about that.
3: Well, I have to tell you, the special synods uh, that are uh, periodically called by the Pope, which is just a, a meeting of the world's bishops on a particular issue, sometimes they're regional, such Mm -hmm. as this one on Africa. Sometimes they're more related to events or to issues like catechesis or to the sacraments or evangelization and so on. And this particular one is the second that has been held on Africa. Uh, The first one was called in 1994 by Pope John Paul II, and Pope Benedict is now called the second one. And he's called about 200 bishops from throughout uh, Africa. Of course, Africa is the second largest continent in the world. It has over 50 countries. And so... These 200 delegates or so have been called, along with about 40 theologians and experts, to come to Rome to meet in Synod in this special meeting in order to consult uh, with the Pope. And the Pope has some specific questions for this group. Uh, It began on October 4th, included on October 25th. The Pope celebrating both Masses on the 4th and the 25th, uh, a solemn Mass in St. Peter's Basilica, and his questions to the African bishops. Uh, These should be the questions for each Christian, which is, how can we be in service to reconciliation, to justice, and to peace? Because the Pope is very concerned about Africa. You might remember that he recently visited parts of Africa, and Mm -hmm. he saw what he has heard through the decades uh, as a number of the Roman Curia, the Pope's advisors, John Paul II, and he called these bishops together and said, But Let's look at these issues. What can the church do? Really, what should uh, the church uh, be doing?
1: There's no justice in the world without the reconciliation and without peace. So the problems are huge in Africa. And, you know, and I have been praying for the African people all throughout my week this week as I've been studying. But I just see these problems as insurmountable. But then I know that God can handle anything.
3: (laughs) That's right. In fact, the subtitle of this whole synod is uh, that each of us are called to be uh, salt of the earth light of the world yes uh, that, that's the subtitle salt of the earth light of the world and throughout the synod um various people have been called in uh, to give a testimony and there was a powerful testimony of a religious sister from rwanda whose entire family was killed wow. brutally killed wow, yeah. uh, during the rwanda um, genocide well how she went back and and she was so filled with anger and frustration and wanting revenge and she went back and met the man who who killed her father and perhaps other members of her family and was just so moved by the grace of God to give pardon and as this man received pardon uh, he felt that freedom you know that freedom and he himself wanted to then be an instrument of reconciliation you know so Kathy wouldn't when you speak about you can't have peace, you can't have justice until there's reconciliation. Uh, first in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And Africa is a continent that has been so marked by tribal genocide, by you know colonialism, by uh, the massive stripping of its natural resources, the complete disregard for human dignity and civil rights throughout this continent. Yes. And, and there has been very little reconciliation. And you're right, the justice and the peace will not happen until um, there's reconciliation. I think that's what's at the heart of the Synod when the Holy Father has called these bishops to come and say, how can the Church be this instrument of, of reconciliation to Africa?
2: And Father, it seems like comparing the, the last synod to this synod. in the interim, they talked about the changes in Africa, that it's become more westernized. Africa, which had been staunchly Catholic in some regions, is kind of succumbing to that. Is there a sense that that tide of uh, westernization and, and corruption has to be stopped? Are you, are, are you picking up on that at the Synod?
3: Uh, absolutely. I think that most of the comments by the African bishops have expressed concern or judgment or alarm, all the above, on exactly that. Um, and I'll tell you, even the Holy Father, at the opening Mass, he mentions that Africa currently is plagued by two diseases. And, of course, everyone was expecting him to say AIDS or Uh TB or something. And the Holy Father went immediately to materialism. Africa is plagued by the disease of materialism. And he went on, continued on, and gave the beautiful analogy. He says, Africa is the spiritual lungs of the world. That it has so much in regards to family life and to openness to spirituality and transcendence and to culture, it has so much to offer our world. And he exhorted Africa through this synod, don't give that up. You Don't lose hmm. that. Do not fall to materialism because materialism takes the richness of the person, of culture, of family and, and it just throws it out the window.
2: That's very interesting to me because when I worked with Mother Teresa, she would talk about the spiritual poverty of the West and the Material poverty of places like Africa and India Seems like far worse evil of materialism Is creeping in or or pouring in with a vengeance As far as the state of the family I know the the Holy Father caught a lot of flack Last time for speaking out against contraceptives I guess that's a very, very unpopular topic
3: But but you know, Gus, it's an unpopular topic To Western minds Mm Mm-hmm well, I thought was very interesting about the Holy Father's comments during his pastoral visit to Africa is that the vast majority of criticism came from the West. Yeah. Um, oh, there was yes. very little criticism from Africa itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: The media lamb-blasted him on that, <laughs> called him a um, deterrent to public health.
3: And some governments threatened uh, action against him as far as perhaps censoring his writings or declaring him, you know, to be person uh, contra human rights and human progress and and all of these things, you know. What is interesting is those who are authentically committed to real science and are not afraid to look at the observations and the statistics beyond agenda have to sit and say, you know what, actually he's right. You know, the famous report from Harvard University that shows in places where condoms have been distributed AIDS actually has increased, and maybe we need to reevaluate this. What African bishop here, uh, I asked him about that because obviously, as all three of us have commented, uh, this was a highlight, sadly, of the Holy Father's visit to Africa. The many beautiful and powerful and encouraging things he said in Africa, that was the one thing that, that made the news. But I asked this bishop about it. I said, you know, the Holy Father's comments uh, in Africa, and you know, he went right to the heart of the matter. Uh, this is you know, a bishop who is there, who is with his people, who you who know, is in the trenches. And he says, You know, for the West to think that the distribution of condoms is going to solve AIDS in Africa would be like me telling the women of my tribes in my diocese that they should wear helmets when their husbands beat them. Oh, and if wow. they just wore helmets, then domestic violence would cease.
1: Oh, goodness. Right,
3: He says, It does not solve the problem. Helmets won't solve domestic violence. Condoms will not solve AIDS. The problem is the African heart.
1: It has to be an internal conversion is what the Pope said. There has to be, and then he went on to explain, there has to be abstinence and and the late onset of the first sexual experience. and, And he said then there has to be monogamy.
2: Yes. Father, review for us, please, what the Church's stance is, again, just a kind of a quick review on you know, contraception and all things pertaining to that.
3: Right. Well, Because of the Church's very rich understanding of the human body, its dignity, of uh, the dignity of the sexual act as, as a creative act that's given by God to married people, uh, to be used and exercised uh, by those who are in a lifelong and committed relationship of love, that because of these rich understandings, the church says that the use of contraceptives interferes. First in the unitive act, that the two become one in a sexual act, and and to introduce any type of means or instrument that would hinder that unitive act, such as contraception does, is foreign and causes harm to the sexual act of, of two married people. So the unitive act is interfered with but then, secondly, obviously, the procreative act, which every sexual act should be open uh, to human life, and because of these these two parallel mutual dynamics of the sexual act, which contraception does away with both, because of that the church says no, no, of course not, contraception does not fit; it does not honor nor respect the persons involved in the marriage or the holiness of the marriage itself, and uh-huh. so. The Church says contraception cannot use Specifically with AIDS or with other sexually transmitted diseases, it could be argued perhaps with unmarried people. The Church would say that we could never encourage that because we encourage abstinence and sexual purity with abstinence uh, before one is in a lifelong committed relationship in marriage. So for the Catholic Church, we would say, no, like uh, condoms aren't the solution. And so because of that, we shouldn't be surprised when science and sociology and good psychology affirm and show the results of being faithful to what the Church teaches, to what Christ teaches, to what God's grace can empower us to do. So, for example, the comments of this bishop when he says, the condoms will not solve the problem. The problem is lust, the problem is egotism, the problem is self-centeredness, the problem is all of these things, and condoms will not solve them. Bishops, they need to adjust the issue.
2: Well, I I remember hearing Archbishop Fulton Sheen one time say that those who advocate birth control are interested neither in birth nor in control. (laughs) So so, uh, the bishop you spoke to from Africa hit hit it on the head that, uh, yeah, this is just pure licentiousness uh, separating the unitive and the procreative. And it's, it's really interesting because this really gets to the heart of Us being an image and likeness of God, where else do we have such a divine power as in human conception and generation? That power is passed to us where we are are pro-creators, co-creators with God, so to speak. And uh, and that's why it's so sacred and can't be messed with, so to speak.
1: Well, and also you're putting your will in there and saying, I don't want what you want, God. And you're just playing God in those cases. But I was reading an article, Father, about this in Christianity Today, it's an evangelical newspaper, but interviewed Edward Green, who is with that Harvard's AIDS research program, and they asked him about. Pope Benedict being unfairly criticized for his comments about condoms and AIDS, and, and he was saying that it was very hard for a liberal like him to admit, but yes, it was very unfair. And he goes on to say that all the evidence that they have shows that the Pope's statements are correct, that condoms will not solve the problem. And then it went on to say some of the things that he endorsed, which is basically what the church endorses. Um, he endorses this ABC method. which is to abstain, to be faithful, which is the monogamy that the church endorses. Although he adds the C, which is or use a condom, which which the church wouldn't approve of. But he goes on to say that in countries in Africa with the highest infection rates where... They have launched programs that are called MCP programs, or basically multiple and concurrent partner reduction programs. That works, you know. So if you go back to the monogamy, that's what works, you know.
3: Well, I remember a few years ago I had the opportunity to visit the church in Nigeria, and the Nigerian bishops have probably been some of the more aggressive uh, as a conference of bishops in Africa towards the promotion of abstinence. And in Nigeria, you see we each can see a drastic drop in the cases of AIDS HIV in Nigeria com- parallel and compatible with this program of abstinence promoted, heavily encouraged, and promoted uh, by the bishops. you know And one of the bishops from Nigeria said, "This is the solution." Now, the same bishop, and and this perhaps is a little controversial, But the same bishop says, you know, the West needs to just stay out of Africa. He says, you know, the fact that once again, the West is trying to impose its culture on us is just insult to insult. He says they needed to keep the the condoms in Europe because they do not work in Africa. And of course, we would say they don't work in Europe either. (laughs) Right, right.
1: Well, and... It's true that the church will always speak the truth, and it doesn't matter if it's in the 1st century or the 21st century or if we think we're more enlightened in the 21st century. The truth is a truth is a truth. Whether you like it or not, whether you accept it or not, or whether you want to live it or not, the pope is still going to speak the truth.
3: Absolutely. Bishops are going to organize campaigns and programs, and they're going to teach, and they're going to continuously call the faithful. Each of us and, and the faithful in Africa... Uh, to that high standard, to the opening of God's grace, to allowing our lives to be truly lived for Jesus Christ. Well,
2: Father, one of the other themes of this uh, Synod was, you know, talking about the social and political sphere. and One of the issues mentioned was the uh, Western media promoting their own views and and foisting them onto the African people. And, you know, you see that. uh,
1: (laughs) And a lot of big organizations that are bringing their money into Africa in the form of offering aid and development, but... Only if you do this, use condoms, and and they introduce sexual ideas like homosexuality and gay marriage and things like that on these people.
3: Exactly, and those many of those ideas because of Africa's strong sense of transcendence, of truth, of family of values, and so on. A lot of these Western ideas just do not fly. The African people have this very strong sense. Uh, of family, of right and wrong. And so a lot of these Western ideas, it takes aggressive promotion and campaigns. It takes aggressive propaganda Mm -hmm. in order to convince governments in Africa to jump on board and then to begin to almost harass the people uh, with these ideas. And the sad part is that while all that's being done, there are real issues that need to be addressed in Africa such as domestic violence, such as the spread of AIDS and HIV, TB, uh, other health problems, the issue of women, their role in society, stability of government, the responsible use of natural resources, both within Africa and by its own countries, and those that are used by the West. All of these are real issues that get dismissed or overlooked because agenda is being pushed. And the church is one of the few international organizations, if we can refer to the church as an organization, but one of the few international bodies that authentically cares about the African people. You know, sometimes people say, what is the Catholic Church's investment in Africa? Well, it's worth reminding the people that the church has over 150 million Catholics in Africa, and so the church has herself in Africa through these 150 million Catholics, but also the church is always concerned about the authentic progress of the human race. And so the church is gonna call attention to reconciliation, to justice, to peace, to the real issues, and say, we need to help Africa, and we need to let Africa help us.
2: Well, one interesting statistic, Father, that I was reading, just about everywhere the parishes are have more women uh, than men. I think one of the sisters, uh, quoted here it says, "Can you imagine what it would be like without women?" What specifically is being done to address this issue, or what are they what are they talking about in the Synod regarding the issue of of uh, the treatment of women and, and women's rights in Africa?
3: I think it's a very good question. Uh, first, you know they are addressing human rights as the broad topic. You know, in fact, you may have heard that within the first few days of the Synod, one of the bishops from um, the country of Congo in Africa had to lead the synod because Uh, One of his churches had been burned, Uh, Mm. some of his faithful, including a priest, had been abducted, uh, abducted, uh, and so Um, on. So uh, he actually had to leave the Senate, and he gave a farewell address. Uh, Interesting, they would be working on reconciliation, justice, and peace, and and here this bishop has to go home Mm. because of a crisis in his diocese. So first, there's the question of human rights, which involves men, women, children, the whole humanity. And then within that umbrella term, the the Senate is addressing the role of women, that... Men in Africa need to understand that women are their co workers. Yes. That the church in Africa needs to see the contributions, the creativity, the difference of perspective that can be offered by women and that can edify the church in Africa. And that the church needs to be more vocal. Uh, she is being vocal, but more vocal in Africa in regards to uh, civil law, in regards to society's acceptance of the leadership and the talents that can be offered by women in society and that the society should promote that.
1: Really needs to start in the family because they need to be equal with their husbands in the family and not a second place.
3: In regards to fidelity in marriage, uh, Kathy, you've mentioned a few times monogamy, uh, very huge Africa, you know, the the idea of, of several marriages or one marriage but several partners. Well, the question of fidelity, of domestic violence, and that certainly raises the question of women in the intimacy of the family. And then, of course, the question that is constantly brought up by the church to much of the displeasure of many in Africa is the equal education of women, particularly young women, by African countries, by governments, that young women be given an education. Because a lot of times, young women would not be offered the same education as young men. Uh, so that they would be in a second place.
2: This might dovetail with the question of of Islam. Um, I know that the northern part of Africa, far fewer Catholics than, say, starting from Nigeria on down, women getting equal education, etc. That seems to be a part of Sharia law. What what is your sense of how the 150 million Catholics in Africa are are dialoguing with? I'm sure, an equal or greater amount of Muslims.
3: I think that most of the bishops, their principal concern is harmony, as you suggest, dialogue. You know, that to the degree that all partners are open, that there be authentic dialogue and exchange, what has been called the good neighbor policy, that Muslim and Christian leadership and Muslim and Christian believers in their neighborhoods and their workplaces, in government, in society, that the goal would be harmony, mutual dialogue, exchange of ideas, culture, and harmony. And then secondly, uh, unfortunately, in some places of Africa where the partnership is not as open to exchange and dialogue, the bishops are concerned with how they can most effectively and less provocatively voice concern over abuses to civil rights, human rights, whether those are based on religion or on gender or just on tribe or religious affiliation and and so on, uh, how to address those so that in attempting to address abuses, they themselves are not contributing to them by provoking an even further backlash from the from their neighbor, does
2: that make sense? Yes, yes, it does, father, and I just recently had a dialogue with a with a Muslim, and I found that in our dialogue we we ended up talking for about two hours on politics and religion, Islam and Christianity and Catholicism, specifically in Europe versus the United States and I tell you that having that dialogue was was great, and it made me realize that you know, when you really sit down to it, we probably have a lot in common. I know we obviously have our theological differences, but we have a lot in common. And I do believe that, uh, boy, the more we can talk and open dialogue with each other, the
3: better this world's going to be in that regard. Um, you know, Gus and Kathy, we all know and our listeners know that authentic religion, good religion, edifies the person and it unites a society. That's good religion. And we shouldn't be surprised when faithful Muslims or faithful of other religious traditions also realize that. And they say, you know, we just want to be good neighbors. Uh, We know you believe in Jesus Christ. We know that you do not believe in in Allah in the way that we do. Or, you know, they say, we believe in Allah. Uh, You believe in Jesus. And the Christian says, we know that you believe in God as Allah and that you don't believe in Jesus. We just want peace we want our children to be able to go to school we want there to be no exchange of violence we want to be able to participate in communities we want yeah what they're basically saying a healthy pluralism you know where you know there's no relativism in regard to religious belief there's an open exchange of ideas and and culture and in the midst of that there's harmony and the bishops, particularly in the synod you know the name reconciliation justice and peace are really concerned with how to bring that in a more expansive way uh, to Africa. And how can the church help in that
2: work? Well, Father, we're getting to the end of our uh, first segment here. It's been a very interesting discussion on the African Synod. And I understand that uh, Archbishop Wilton Gregory from uh, Atlanta is uh, is in the Synod, and we'll be talking about that in our next segment, along with the fact that there are a lot of high Anglicans in Africa And as we know, uh, recently the Pope has made it much easier for high Anglicans to uh, be brought into full communion with the church. All right, you've been listening to Pathways to Rome. We've been discussing the African Synod with Father Jeff Kirby and Kathy Kerfoot.
0: And we'll continue our discussion in just a few minutes. You're listening to Pathways to Rome, starring Father Jeffrey Kirby, along with Kathy Kerfoot and Gus Killow. Pathways to Rome is a Mediatrix Radio production and can be heard weekly at this time. If you would like to listen to this show again, our previous broadcast of Pathways to Rome, visit our website, www.catholicradioinsc.com. That's catholicradionsc.com. Pathways to Rome was made possible by donations from Dr. Larry and Iris Minetti, Jim and Jan Carino, Donald and Marilyn Reichert, an anonymous sponsor of Catholic Radio and contributions from Mediatrix Radio listeners. To learn more about Pathways to Rome or to listen to this or other episodes, Mediatrix Radio's website is www.catholicradioinsc.com. put the power of video to work for you whether it's a short marketing presentation or an hour long training video turn to the Emmy award winning experts at Extreme Vision Studios, present your message clearly and concisely, video allows you to produce your image and gives you a professional look that shines call Extreme Vision Studios today for a free consultation, the number is 864 590-9970 that number again is 864 590-9970 Extreme Vision Studios proud sponsor of South Carolina Catholic radio Polydeck screen corporation a proud sponsor of catholic radio was founded in spartanburg in 1978 to manufacture and market modular synthetic screen media in north america serving the gold copper phosphate and aggregate industries Polydeck strives to honor god in all they do their phone number is 864-579-4594 they're also on the web at www.polydexscreen.com St. Anthony's Catholic Store, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, offers books on apologetics, spirituality, theology, and church history to assist adults and children in their faith formation. They also provide sacred vessels, vestments, and hand-carved statuary to parishes and maintain an inventory of baptismal, communion, confirmation, and wedding gifts. For more information about this family-owned business located at 443C Congaree Road near Haywood Mall, John or Judy can be reached at 864-288-0335. Thomas McAfee Funeral Home, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, has been serving the community since 1913, offering personalized funeral and cremation services they're committed to serving you and your family with dignity and respect. This family-owned business can be reached at their downtown chapel at 232-6733, or their Northwest Chapel at 294-6415, and they're on the web at www.thomasmcafee.com. AKJ Consulting, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, in cooperation with New Way Properties, utilizes years of experience to assist people in finding and acquiring affordable housing in the Upstate. They also have a program to assist those in danger of going into foreclosure. For more information, David Case can be reached at 864-430-4877. That's 864-430-4877. Mm. There's a new way to get rid of an old car, truck, or gas guzzler. No matter what condition it is in, Catholic Charities will pick it up at home, office, or repair shop, and handle all of the paperwork. Catholic Charities is a 501c3 not-for-profit entity associated with the Diocese of Charleston. For more information, Catholic Charities can be reached at 877-885-4483. That's 877-885-GIVE. Or reach them on the web at www.supportcatholiccharities.org. Priest for Life organizes a monthly rosary led by a priest or deacon of the Diocese of Charleston every third Saturday in each month. Members from local parishes gather to pray the rosary from 8 to 9 a.m. at the West Ashley Abortion Facility located at 1312 Ashley River Road. That's at the corner of Highway 61 and Fusler in Charleston. For further information, Stephen Boyle can be reached at 843-763-0681.
2: In these challenging economic times, our taxes are probably going up. In Matthew 22, Jesus says to pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So is it enough to be resigned and pay our taxes while giving our hearts to God? The real question is, how can we give to Caesar in such a way that transforms society for the good of the kingdom? What can we do with our resources and the taxes we pay to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and serve the least of our brothers that Jesus talks about in Matthew 25? Since after all, it's not our money.
0: I'm Joe Galloway. Pathways to Rome was made possible by donations from Dr. Larry and Iris Minetti, Jim and Jan Carino, Donald and Marilyn Reichert, an anonymous sponsor of Catholic Radio, and contributions from Mediatrics Radio listeners. To learn more about Pathways to Rome or to listen to this or other episodes, Mediatrics Radio's website is www.catholicradionsc.com. And now we return to Pathways to Rome, starring Father Jeffrey Kirby, with Kathy Kerfoot and Gus Killo.
2: Welcome back to Pathways to Rome, the show that brings Rome into your parish right here in South Carolina. We've been talking with Father Jeff Kirby and Kathy Kerfoot. And Father Kirby currently is in Rome, but he does blog, and you can catch up with him and, uh, Father, we'll, we'll ask you to tell us briefly where we, can, where we can find out about that. And then we'll resume our discussion uh, with Kathy Kerfoot here on the African Synod, the fact that one of our archbishops, Archbishop Wilton Gregory, is over there. So, Father, first off, tell us about your blog and uh, how we can uh, stay in touch with you that
3: way. First, you know, I have to laugh just when you say your blog because I never thought I'd be one of those blog people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I guess I'm an official blogger, you know. But anyone who who is interested, it's uh, through my website uh, wwwjeffrey uh, jeffrey j e f f r e y dash kirby k i r b y dot com. So wwwjeffrey jeffrey dash kirby dot com, and from that website is is the blog, and and, and all it really is uh, just so. Too many people don't have too high expectations. Mm. The website is basically just some thoughts, random thoughts, experiences of living in Rome. Some of them very exciting, wonderful opportunities living here in Rome. Some of them just really boring, but you know might make for good read. So, but anyway, I kind of just write this, and anyone who uh, is interested, I encourage them to check the website. So.
2: well, fantastic, fantastic. We'll check that out. Tell us a little bit about uh, the role of Archbishop Wilton Gregory uh, over there. I guess he's a representative from the the United States attending the Synod.
3: He is, and I tell you what a a high honor uh, to the United States, to the Archdiocese of Atlanta, the Atlanta province of which the Diocese of Charleston is a part, and to uh, Wilton Gregory, Archbishop Wilton Gregory himself, to be invited at every Synod. The Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, is allowed to name special delegates most of the delegates are elected by their local regional conference of bishops and and so on. It's the way that the Synod is meant to work. And on top of that, the Pope then appoints particular representatives, and Archbishop Gregory was one of the Pope's special picks. Uh, Pope Benedict XVI called and asked the Archbishop uh, if he would serve uh, in this capacity. The Archbishop obviously accepted, and so he's been in Rome, uh, in the Synod of Bishops, offering his Thoughts. In fact, he was one of the first speakers in the Synod. He went before the Synod, thanked the Holy Father for the opportunity to be there. and In his comments, the Archbishop said something very important. He reminded the Synod, and each of us through the Synod, that Africa's greatest resource is its people. It's not its natural resources, it's not all the things that Western corporations or other groups think about in, in regards to Africa. No, the most important thing, arch people.
2: Well, Archbishop Gregory, as an African-American president at the Senate, that's
3: very poignant, wouldn't you think, Father? I certainly think so. I think the Archbishop, uh, as an African-American, as an American, as one who has been seasoned in American culture, having grown up in it, and having served as president of the Bishops' Conference of the United States, I think the Archbishop brings all of that pastoral experience, cultural experience uh, with him as one of the delegates uh, to the Synod. I think in particular, as an African-American, he is able to bring uh, the insights and the integration and the contribution of a pluralistic society and its benefits to the discussion uh, in the Synod. Now, obviously, the Synod's first task is the role of the Gospel and the task of the Church's ministers within Africa. And from that, there is a legitimate contribution that the Church can make in regards to a pluralistic society, a society of respect, of goodness, like that good neighbor policy, and so on. And I think the Archbishop is able to come, as an African-American, as an American, who has experienced that and and has lived that, and then come and say, let me make this contribution uh, to our theological discussion." But I think that it's also very significant that the archbishop in his comments also said, I'm here to be reminded of the richness of Africa. I'm here as an American to be reminded of what Africa can offer the world. And as a fellow believer with you, to be reminded what Africa can offer the church. I think that's very significant.
2: One thought just popped into my head is that uh, when Pope John Paul II was there, He was canonizing and beatifying several new African saints on the continent.
3: Yes. Well, actually, uh, what Pope John Paul II would do is he would beatify, uh, which is the step right before canonizing, before making a saint, he would beatify many in their home countries. Mm. But canonizations would always happen in Rome. I see. Okay. So, So Pope John Paul II would go to Africa, as he did in Sri Lanka, parts of Asia, and he would beatify these holy men and women and then later canonized them in Rome. Pope Benedict XVI has delegated the ceremonies of beatification back to the cardinals, which was an older custom. And so we see beatifications happening, but they're now happening locally by uh, local cardinals in Africa, in Europe, throughout the world, and so on. And what's very interesting is that Pope Benedict XVI began his second encyclical, his, his teaching letters, his second one, which means saved in hope. He began that letter, a teaching letter, with the story of one of our newly canonized African saints, St. Paquita, who was an African woman who was sold into slavery, received her freedom in Europe, and then became a religious sister. This powerful story of, again, one of our newly African saints, obviously very close to Pope Benedict XVI because he would use her story in this major teaching document.
2: They've already uh, come out with like a Children's Lives of the Saints on St. Paquita, and I thought that was very interesting because it's a it's almost like a breath of fresh air to to realize that we have uh, you know we, we have saints everywhere. The saints from Africa that we're used to are the are like Saint Augustine and the early church fathers from from Africa. Fantastic warriors of the faith and these heroes of the Catholic faith in Africa.
3: Absolutely, and and I think to to tell these stories, which highlights first of all the path to holiness, and then the path of holiness, oftentimes in the midst of turbulent social issues or government corruption or a breakdown of tribe or family, and yet we see these holy ones from Africa showing us the way, the way of reconciliation, the way of justice, the way of peace, as our African bishops are now teaching and collaborating in the Senate.
2: yeah well saint paquita was very much abused uh, i remember i think she was made lame by one of her uh, masters uh, it could have been a slaveholder in africa who actually beat her so badly that she became lame and part of her story is just her whole process of reconciliation and forgiveness and forgiving her, her um, slaveholders and then her freedom in europe uh, and the example that she gave to european society
3: I tell you, I was actually thinking of St. Paquita when I read, in the first segment, we spoke about the sister religious sister from Rwanda, Mm. and I actually thought of St. Paquita as I was reading this religious sister's story of Mm -hmm. forgiveness of reconciliation in Rwanda, and what just an incredible opportunity Africa has uh, for its own stability, but then as a witness to the rest of the Church and the rest of the world of reconciliation, you know. Dustin, Kathy, I have a question, as I see here, obviously, uh, in Rome, in this eternal city, being able to watch this Synod and to see the interaction and to hear about reconciliation, justice, and peace. But as a married man, a married woman with families, how do you see the message that's being so discussed here in the Synod on Africa, this message of reconciliation, justice, and peace, how do you see that in your homes, your parishes? How do you see it back home?
1: Well, wow, I think it's something that um, we live with every day. I, in order to stay married for uh, 24 years, there's got to be a lot of uh, reconciliation yeah. in there. <laughs> and I uh, guess I know you've got six boys, so. Mm. Uh, you're always looking for peace and justice in your family for each one of your kids.
2: Well, I think we can learn a lot from this discussion, uh, especially with the forgiveness pouring out in, in Rwanda. Looking at the way crime is dealt with here in our country, there seems to be a very strong sense of we have to have a vendetta. We have to go out there and get revenge. So I think we can learn as well. We have to set aside this bloodlust and we we have to... Be willing to forgive. Obviously, we, like Kathy was saying, you know, to be married this long, you have to be willing to reconcile a lot. One method I learned from a priest, I was listening to one of his sermons. Uh, one of the strongest prayers you can say is a prayer for your enemies. I mean, Christ told us to pray for our enemies, but just go try it when you're mad at somebody sometime. It doesn't mean your emotion will necessarily become better, but it, you can control your attitude. You may not can be able to control how you feel. But one lesson I learned from this priest is he said, what you do is you pray for that person. You say, Lord, make him happy in this life and the next. And you just do it mm-hmm. over and over and over. And, and it's an act of the will. We may still have feelings of anger and hurt, especially in, in crime, etc. But we have to, as Christians, we have to be willing to say, I forgive you. And we have to pray for that person. We have to pray for their salvation.
1: Look at the instance with John Paul II, the assassination attempt on his life, and a few years later, he went back and he went to the prison, and he spoke with the young man and gave him that forgiveness. It was just the feast day of Maria Garatti just a few weeks ago, that Um, young woman, an attempted rape on her, and she ended up being brutally stabbed by her attacker, and on her deathbed, she forgave him. What a beautiful story of that. And then at her beatification, that young man, after he was sent to prison for however many years, he was there with her mother for her beatification because her prayer was that he would be with me someday in heaven. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. prayed for his salvation.
2: You asked how, how it applies to us uh, locally. We Now that you mentioned St. Marie Goretti, our family prays her every day, and we do it because we pass an area where there was a crime that took place where a young woman was assaulted a little over a year ago. The person who committed the crime has not been caught yet. So we pray every day that uh, St. Maria Gretti would intercede. So, you know, we have to be able to adopt that attitude as, as Christians and Catholics, and we can learn from the patience of the African people who have suffered so much over the centuries in this regard. Yeah,
3: so I think uh, you what know, example uh, they can be for us. And I, I think that you know so oftentimes we hear you know reconciliation or justice and peace and, and we look to places like Africa or to other places in the world where we know that there are struggles and difficulties with peace and with order and, and stability and so on. And sometimes we are hesitant to look at the lack of peace or justice or the lack of forgiveness in our own hearts our families our parishes in our communities and i think as the bishops of africa these 200 or so delegates have been called to rome to discuss this what an incredible opportunity for each of us as members of the body of christ to ask ourselves how am i being an instrument of reconciliation how am i being an instrument of peace you know how am i being an instrument of justice uh, in my family, in my workplace, in my community, in my church, and so on. You know, these are questions we have to ask ourselves. Otherwise, we can look at what the bishops are discussing at the center in Africa, on Africa. We can look at all these things, but they simply become news as opposed to real workings within the body of Christ, the body of Christ of which each of us are a part. And so we have to ask ourselves about reconciliation, justice, and peace.
1: That's what uh, Cardinal Peter Turkson from the Case Coast of Ghana has told the African people, that it has to start with them, that reconciliation with one another. And they have to be committed to justice, but it has to start with the um, African people themselves. And just like here with us in our diocese and in our families, it has to start with us at home. I remember having, it wasn't an outward argument, but an internal argument with a neighbor of mine, and it was just kind of a silly thing, but it aggravated me so much, and every time I drove by and saw that person, I would feel this anger well up inside of me, and I remember this disagreement that we had, and... I finally just thought, after a while, every time I drove by and saw that person outside of their house, I just thought, this is ridiculous. So I started saying to myself, every time I drove by and I wanted that anger started to come up, I just started to say, that person is a child of God. That person <laughs> is a child good. of God. <laughs> and after about three months of driving by, I didn't have that, that anger well up anymore. The first thing that came out was, that person is a child of God. And it wasn't in an angry tone anymore. It was in a friendly tone. That, you I, know, That's a
2: very good lesson. There, right. uh, Kathy. I mean, I, I can certainly learn from that because I tend to be a very impatient person, especially when I'm driving. I don't I <laughs> keep wondering why everybody is in my way all the time. <laughs> it's probably because I'm going too fast. But uh, very good lesson there. You know, Saint Francis said, "Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace." You know, where there is <laughs> hatred, let me bring love. Where there is injury, pardon, forgiveness. So Saint Francis had that burning desire to be that instrument of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I think we as Christians, we have to be, you know, the salt of the earth. We have to be the leaven right. of society.
3: And I was just about to say that, Gus, that subtitle for the Synod, Salt of the Earth and Light of the World, hmm. that is our responsibility. It, it's not simply an opportunity. It certainly is an opportunity, but it's also our responsibility uh, as Christian believers to be the salt of the world, the light of of the world, to show people, you know, this is how forgiveness looks. This is what mercy looks like. This is what praying for the neighbor that I'm frustrated with. This is what this looks like, you know. The early church won converts because of the way they love one another, and we're called to do the same, to show our love for one another and for our neighbors who are not believers, so that people might begin to understand, to see the face of God and understand, you know, this is what is meant when I speak of God's love. This is what is meant when I speak of God's mercy, to be salt of the earth and light of the world, uh, what an incredible opportunity! The bishops are discussing how they can be that in a greater way in Africa, mm-hmm. and each of us also have to ask: How how can I? How can I be a better light uh, to our world? How can I be uh, salt uh, to the people around me? Interestingly, you know, I, I
2: had worked with Mother Teresa, and one thing about her is she always talked about preaching even without preaching without saying words, just being a presence wherever she chose to set up her sisters. I was just reading about uh, blessed, and he may be Saint Charles de Foucault, who went to North Africa, and he, he just wanted to, he was a priest, and he just wanted to be a priest in North Africa, and apparently he never won a single convert from Islam, but he just wanted to be a constant presence there and leading a good example and sometimes that's all we can do we don't know until history comes to an end and at the last judgment we won't see the the consequences of our actions or our prayers but we know that they're going to have repercussions throughout eternity
3: yes and isn't it difficult uh, nevertheless in the midst of all that to say evil will not win i will respond to evil with good and i will speak the truth in love Mm mm-hmm And those are powerful opportunities, responsibilities we have. And the great thing as Christians is we don't do them by ourselves. We know that God pours his grace into us through Jesus Christ. We know that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and we have one another. Mm -hmm. That I can call my brother or my sister in Christ and say, oh, I really need your help. I'm really struggling with this person or uh, with a person, and I really need you to help me, to pray for me, that I can just better demonstrate the virtue of prudence or kindness or patience you know and that's the power of the church that's the power of the gospel so with this leaven that we're called to be that we just be sources that uplift people and and cultures and societies and and that's the power that we have to be christians Mm -hmm. uh, to really bring this change onto our world by the power of god
2: we're coming close to the end of our segment and we touched briefly upon it but uh the whole notion of Anglicans and the recent uh, move by Pope Benedict to make it easier, and we know there are a lot of high Anglicans in Africa. Has that been discussed at all in this synod that you know of?
3: To my knowledge, not much has been said in the synod in Africa in regards to the recent decisions of the Pope with the conversion of Anglicans to the fullness of faith in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. But I do know that the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which held the press conference, Cardinal Levada, who's the prefect, of that very important office in regards to doctrine presided over that press conference. And this is going to be a very important move uh, by the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. We're just waiting for clarifications from the Vatican, from the Holy See, as to what this process of conversion and readmittance into the fullness of faith will look like. Mm -hmm. And so, I think in a future episode, we should devote more time, once more details have been given by by the
2: Vatican. Absolutely, Father. And I think uh, one of my final thoughts on this is that the West sent missionaries to Africa, but I believe that the the spiritual landscape is changing to the point where we're going to see more and more Africans being sent out into the world to evangelize and that Africa will be a hub, uh, a center of... uh, Orthodox Catholicism, I, I believe you know we'll see that in the next 20, 30, 40 years.
1: That would be beautiful.
2: Well, Father, tell us once again, before we finish, uh, tell us how we can track your meanderings through Rome on your
3: blog. How do we do that again, Father? Sounds good, Gus. Yes. The, the blog is, is through my website, uh, which is www.jeffrey-kirby.com. It's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-K-I-R-B-Y.com. Uh, and from that website, uh, you can go to the blog. And, and again, it, it's just random thoughts or uh, recounting experiences of living here in Rome. Some of them are mundane. Some might even say boring. Uh, some of them are just exciting because of the opportunities of, of, be, of being here, of studying uh, here in Rome. So I um, invite anybody who might be interested to uh, to tap in and check in uh, the blog. So,
1: right. Thank you, Father. We will. Would you please close us in prayer?
3: Sounds good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together to share the power of your gospel, to pray for your church in Africa, your church throughout the world. We ask you to convert our hearts so that we might be more faithful instruments of your reconciliation, your justice, and your peace in our world. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may
0: Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right. Go in peace. You've been listening to Pathways to Rome, starring Father Jeffrey Kirby, along with Kathy Kerfoot and Gus Killo. Pathways to Rome is a Mediatrix Radio production and can be heard weekly at this time. For more information about this show, or if you would like to listen to previous broadcasts, visit our website, www.catholicradionsc.com. That's CatholicRadioINSC.com. I-N-S-C Thanks for listening, and God bless. Pathways to Rome was made possible by donations from Dr. Larry and Iris Minetti, Jim and Jan Carino, Donald and Marilyn Reichert, an anonymous sponsor of Catholic Radio, and contributions from Mediatrix Radio listeners. To learn more about Pathways to Rome, or to listen to this or other episodes, Mediatrix Radio's website is www.catholicradioinSC.com. The Catholic Shop, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, has baptismal, communion, confirmation, and wedding gifts and offers books on apologetics, spirituality, theology, and church history to assist adults and children in their faith formation. They also provide sacred vessels, vestments, and Italian hand-carved statuary to parishes. For more information about this family-owned business, located at 180 North Dean Street, Suite 103 in downtown Spartanburg, John or Judy can be reached at 864-585-2667.
4: Perpetual Novena in honor of Our Lady of Guadalupe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, kindle us in the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created. And And you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit. To be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through jesus christ our lord amen o mary conceived without sin pray, pray for us who have recourse, recourse to you the memorare remember, remember O most compassionate Holy virgin mary, mary that never was it known that, it known that anyone who fled to your protection, your protection implored your assistance or, or sought your intercession was left unaided, was left unaided. inspired with this confidence We fly unto you, O Virgin of virgins, our Mother. To you we come, before you we kneel, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer them, amen. Prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. O Virgin Immaculate, Mother of the true God, and Mother of the Church, you who manifest such kindness and compassion, To all who seek your protection, hear the prayer that we pour out to you with childlike confidence. Present it to your son, Jesus, our sole redeemer, mother of mercy, who have taught us hidden and silent sacrifice, and who come to meet us, sinners that we are. On this day, we consecrate to you our entire being and love, our life, our labor, our joys, illnesses, and pain. We wish to be yours totally and to walk with you in the way of complete fidelity to Jesus Christ and his church. Do not release us from your loving hand. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mother of the Americas, pray for us. Amen.
0: Polydeck Screen Corporation, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, was founded in Spartanburg in 1978 to manufacture and market modular synthetic screen media in North America. Serving the gold, copper, phosphate, and aggregate industries, Polydeck strives to honor God in all they do. Their phone number is 864-579-4594. They're also on the web at www.polydexscreen.com. AKJ Consulting, a proud sponsor of Catholic Radio, in cooperation with New Way Properties, utilizes years of experience to assist people in finding and acquiring affordable housing in the upstate. They also have a program to assist those in danger of going into foreclosure. For more information, David Case can be reached at 864 430 4877. That's 864 430 4877.
4: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, And she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done done unto unto me according to thy word. Pray for us, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel,
1: made by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of
4: his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord.
3: Amen. Hello, I'm Father Jeff Kirby. Thank you for listening to WCKI thirteen hundred AM Greer and to WQIZ eight ten AM Saint George, Charleston.